I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fire Up! Coming to you this week from Studio 4 of the Diamantina Podcast Network Complex here in Batuta. I'm Dennis Carnahan, here with Chris Gale. Red Fern Pat at the controls. And I'm trying to fire up! But I'm struggling. Struggling to fire up! Despite watching a rare and magnificent Raiders victory at the weekend at Henson Park, no less. Albeit in uh, New South Wales Cup. Sorry, Jets fans. Struggling to fire up! Despite the excitement of Origin 1. Coming up in the middle of this crackdown. With fears from the anti-Volandites that Origin will be ruined by sin binnings of innocent and innocuous little high shots and violence that's always been more tolerated in the cauldron of Origin. Struggling to fire up! Because News Limited journalists are so deeply bored of rugby league during by-round that Origin that they've given up on writing stories about the insights of Braith and have taken to publishing open letters to each other! Struggling to fire up despite the Raiders' season being a pineapple cruiser on the roof short of the disaster that was 2013 where they sacked half the team and the coach. And why am I struggling to fire up, Chris? I'm struggling because I have surrendered. I have given up. In the words of Horse Maxwell, I have become compliant. I have had, I have the mind-controlling 5G nanobots of AstraZeneca COVID vaccine coursing through my veins. I am assimilated. There are no highs. There are no lows. This must be what it's like to be a Melbourne Storm player. One job to do. Mindless. So, Chris! What can you give me to fire up about State of Origin? Well, Dennis Carnahan, certain quarters of the media, believe this or not, have been critical in the past of the ARLC chairman, Peter Volandis. No. They've had words to say, and I tell you, this is what gets me fired up, that they don't give him enough credit, because to quote the great man himself, we beat COVID, and there's no other better evidence than what's happening in far north Queensland tomorrow night, if you're listening to this podcast the day it's recorded, and you may well not be, where New South Wales Blues take on the Queensland Maroons and Origin 1 at Townsville. Neutral venue. Yes, neutral venue. And the announcement today that the statement, the stadium which houses 25,000 hardy FN cures has been extended by 2,000 to make a capacity of 27,000. This would be the first example of a stadium around the world since the onset of the COVID pandemic where they've actually extended the capacity in order to have more people at a sporting event. Peter Volandis, he beat COVID, and I'm fired up that not enough people give him credit for, for it because he really has done a magnificent job on this occasion. So last week they cancelled the Redemption Day parade and no one's celebrating. Resumption no one, Day. Resumption day. day. And no one is celebrating. Capriciously cancelled it. No one's celebrating the fact that they've boosted North Queensland, Townsville Stadium. What a marvellous achievement it is. And all they've done is just completely trash the integrity of the series by giving Queensland two games in a row and thereby tilting the seesaw very much in favour of the Queenslanders and Anastasia Palaszczuk and her Pfizer vaccine, which was an AstraZeneca, despite the fact that she's over 50. That she's 51. Mm, Yeah, very curious about that one. Um, Now, with the state of origins, I'm finding it a little fiery. So they are playing at a neutral zone in Townsville, which is 1,500 kilometres north of the capital of Queensland. So it's... Hello. So somehow it's considered... They're so angry at Leichhardt Oval. 
about they're, that. They're, they're still, still, still caring about it. And they blame the most evil man in rugby league for it. But I noticed during the week The Astonisher. Yes. They wrote an article. I read the article. Dean Ritchie from The Astonisher wrote an article. Bulldog. And uh, what, what, did the open, what was the opening line? The opening line was, Port Moresby, that's in Queensland. Yeah, when they were going through Sydney, that's in Queensland. They used that line, that's in Queensland, a lot. Curious line, that one. But I saw the headline, Dennis, and I know we've had discussions on this show before whether you can necessarily connect the headline with the article. <laughs> uh, the, the, the headline was United Nations of Queensland. And I didn't think, Dennis Carnahan, that's in Queensland at that particular point in time. Of course, when I read the first line, Port Moresby, that's in Queensland, it did feel a little bit more proximate. But have you spoken to your intellectual property lawyers? Um, oh, I haven't bothered. I just said, you know, Triple M, Triple M. I was told Triple M referred to the song and said, oh, it's like that. That's in Queensland song. Who wrote that? Who was that bloke? It's like, thanks, Triple M. All the stuff be I've done for you guys for nothing. I think the you're fact- a special guest a couple of years a ago on that guest. station. And, and the fact that the Telegraph ran That's in Queensland, I gave it to them to run. I believe it's one of their highest rating still videos. I did get attribution, but they never paid me for it. They never gave me coins. So they've, they've, and they keep quoting it. They've quoted That's in Queensland. They've quoted that piece of vernacular so many times. This is the first time it's been quoted unattributed. And I do notice that Dean Bulldog Ritchie, uh, in his article, he, he went down through the eight players who were not born in Queensland. Yes. And he did include Jai Arrow. Now, Jai Arrow, if you look on his Wikipedia page, it says he was born in Fairfield. Um, obviously, Bulldog didn't bother to press on the little button on the little blue line that says Fairfield because there's a Fairfield in Brisbane, which is what they're claiming he was born in, uh-huh. which makes him a Queenslander. Now, when he was first selected for Origin, I did research and found he was born at Greystones. He grew up in Greystones. Um, so he's in the song as Where is Greystones? Gyro, that's in Queensland. And that article originally alleged he was born, uh, what's the, the hospital out in the middle of Parramatta? What's it called? Westmead. Westmead. He was born at Westmead. That was changed on his um, Queensland... Was he playing for the Titans at the time? Yes. On his, on his Titans page, it was changed from grew up in Greystains, born in Sydney, to mm. born in Fairfield, Brisbane. Conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. So either there's, there's misinformation somewhere. I think that's the story you need to look at, Bulldog. Find out exactly where Jai Arrow was born. Because he definitely grew up in Greystains. He played junior footy in Greystains. Okay, this, it was under sixes. This surprises me because Bulldog Richie is a, normally a meticulous fact checker. I love Bulldog Richie. But I, I have to ask you, and this is a question without notice, uh-huh. and matters that are existential are very much top of mind because whilst PVL may have, or the horseman, as we do like to refer to him now, thank you, Nathan Brown, might have beaten COVID, he's got a greater challenge. And that, of course, is that everything involved in the crackdown, which we'll go into forensically a little bit later, is to do with the fact that he fears that the government is going to shut down rugby league and it may no longer exist. The government. Yeah, and of course he's wrong because we've already established that the Centres of Excellence are just covers for underground fields where they'll be able to play the game illegally in the future. But for you, do you go through, when you see articles like this, do you go through as a creative person, a creative type, something I can't identify with, do you go through an existential crisis? Do you go, well, Joe Dolce, Dolce, shut up your face. That's it. That's the peak. Do you feel that way with that's in Queensland that we've seen the best of you, that there's nothing else yet to come? Oh, no, I feel like that. Joe Dolce, shut up your face. Um, boy, that was – who was that funded by? Was that – I'm pretty sure that was from up there, Kazali. Oh. That, that, that he made so much money, he bought a studio and shut Mike. up your face came out of that. Mike. Yeah. Brady. Um. Not- Shut up your face. Oh, I don't feel it's like my best because I, fi- I 
think my best, the most fun I have is on stage. Right. And so it's an excuse to do that. And and my agent keeps saying, oh, you know, Dennis Carnahan, that's in Queensland. No, no it's, it's done. I, I remember two years after it going, though, that's done. I need to push Rugby League the musical. I need to get away from it. And being introduced, there's nothing worse than being introduced as, oh, this is Dennis Carnahan. He wrote that's in Queensland. And people go, what? <laughs> You're trying to say this is somebody because of this and the person doesn't know what it is. That's not making them somebody. Well, I'm looking forward to opening up a Bulldog Richie article in the future and it goes, Port Moresby, Rugby League's a musical. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, now the, there was Origin, of course, the, the theatre of Origin, the farce of Origin, the hoax of Origin, the pantomime of Origin wouldn't be complete without a scare. That's true. Going through the Queensland camp, a virus, a mystery illness, a stomach bug. What have we had this year? So Dane Gagai tonsillitis. Ooh. He's absolutely fine, of course. And I think it's – I'm not sure if I'm using the term correctly, but it feels postmodern to me that the minute the news comes out, everybody's so self-aware and apologetic and the Queenslanders are not even trying to make out that it's credible. And any commentator <laughs> who goes, well, this is typical Queensland, like they're giving you a great insight, you're not giving us a great insight. Uh, I think has been more interesting is the smokescreen around AJ Brimson, who, Ooh. you know, they've pulled up Ben Hunt as the 19th man, and now they're saying he's definitely not playing and AJ Brimson will take the field. Was the postmodern aware Gagai tonsillitis scare a cover for the AJ Brimson mystery? And where is Ben Hunt fit- fitting into all of this? Oh, I don't know, because like Gould has said, he slammed Queensland as arrogant. Well, they're, they're failure to name up. a team. They're failure to name a team. Queensland arrogance. But that saying that name, Gus Gould, Gus has given up the pre or the Origin preamble a few years ago, and it was a part of Origin. I, Vonnie, Vonnie described him as the Santa of Origin because he'd start, he'd have that preamble, he'd walk around going la 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 under the goalposts, and it was always a wonderful part of Origin. That stopped. That's gone. Stentorian is the word I want to Stentorian. use. Stentorian. Yeah. <laughs> And and by his own his own admission, I think a little bit like you, he didn't want to be just known for the pre-game address. You know, you just don't want to be known as that's in Queensland. So Gus put a line under. I note you still perform it in your show, but the for those that are listening after Post. Origin and could well be dealing with the shock and disappointment if you haven't been following the media closely, that you not only will Gus not be doing his pre-game address, he's not even part of the commentary team. How can that be? How can you have Origin without Gus? Is, is it, and, and well, it gets worse, Dennis. No, it can't. Fatty Vorton's not part of the commentary team. How can they not have Gus? It's not Origin. And you, it's it's one thing to take away headshots and high shots. It's one thing to take away crusher tackles and that that elevated violence that comes with Origin. Take that away, sure. But take away Gus and Fatty. Well, we're all familiar with sports science, correct? Oh yeah. And with the introduction of sports science and the importance of preserving the body, monitoring workloads, making sure it's able to get to the overall long-term objective and goal might mean some short-term sacrifice. Well, this is exactly what the crack town's about. Right, exactly. Well, I refer here to the Australian fast bowling stocks, that they have a rotation policy in Cricket Australia so that the workload on the bodies of the likes of your Cummins and your Starks and your Hazelwoods is, is... evened out over time so that you get the overall result. Channel 9 has introduced as a result of commentary science the fact that you need to have a commentary rotation policy. So they're rotating them out. Correct. So, so of course, you've got to bring in new blood, i.e. Cameron Smith. And you want to open bright and breezy, so at some point we'll be hoping to hear from Billy Slater another, oh, wow. (laughs) But don't – 
base your entire origin enjoyment on hearing all those wonderful voices for the entire coverage because Vorton and Gould will be slotted back in. I can see Gould definitely in game three being New South so Wales So could base. we then assume that the script is already written, that game one goes to Queensland, game two in Sydney. Go, no, game, no, game two is in, in Queensland as well. So one of those is going to have you, to go to New South Wales. You've forgotten game one is neutral. Yeah, the game one's neutral. With, it game it might be in physically Queensland. in Townsville, but it's a Melbourne state of mind. Yes. Well, and by I, the I, way, from from all reports, they're getting more people at Townsville that were going in Melbourne. And don't forget, think for a minute that this is about COVID. The main reason they transferred from Melbourne was no one was buying a ticket. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Although in Melbourne, nothing, nothing's happening. All that's happening in Melbourne now is coffee. People are queuing up for coffees. Nothing else is on. The bloody AFLs come to Sydney. God, triple my workload. Yeah, I, I went to like I went to the movies. I saw Cruella on the weekend, and I didn't get out of the car park quickly <laughs> of a Sunday evening because somebody apparently turned up for Carlton versus the West Coast. Who? I know. Why? <sighs> so they're rotating the commentators out. So that might mean that if it's not going to be a dead rubber in Sydney, and that's when they've got Gus and Fatty. It's all best off, isn't it? Like, they're playing two games in a row in Queensland. There's no Gus and Fatty in origin. It's a different beast. It's evolving, and I don't like it. Because we don't get Fox coverage, do we? Fox Fox repeats. Like, Fox, they'll, they'll record commentary, but it then gets played after the game. So I think they have a pre-game and a post-game, and Vonnie... Uh, very presciently, as soon as they announced the game in Townsville, rang up Steve Crawley at Fox and said, I've, I've bought tickets. Me and Chris are heading up for the game so that they're not trapped on those poor commentary panel, the like of your your Ennises and your Braiths. who and actually have to, That's right. Have to do a pregame. And then I think they just put up a solid graphic saying... Uh, the Origin post- is coming yeah, soon. The post-game will be, uh, analysis will be on in an hour 30 and it ticks down because they know no one is watching. Wow. They certainly do that in that other game's grand final on Fox footy. There's actually just a solid graphic yep. during the actual game. And then you go back to get all the analysis from your James Grahams. Or as someone pointed out the other day, they had James Graham and Wade Graham on the panel. It was, oh, the brothers. It was a Grahamathon. Wow. Now... There is concern, as I mentioned in the preamble, that, that Origin is going to be marred, is going to be weakened by the crackdown and whether the crackdown's a good thing or not and whether the crackdown's going to work. Because there's always been a kind of open agreement that all bets are off in Origin. Yep. That there's you know there's a sin bidding in Origin. It takes a, a Gordon Tellus level uh, mind, you know, brain explosion. You're a Michael Lucking cheat. You're a Michael Lucking cheat. Or a, a shot from you- Gallon on the button of Nate Miles. That's, that's how extreme you have to go to get be put in the bin. Was Gallon binned? Oh, yeah. And did they then use that shot in the promos? <laughs> repeatedly. They're repeatedly, yes. I think Gal was justified there in saying, if you're going to bin me for it and say it's a bad thing, you can't be using the promos. One of the rare... Uh, no, no, how can I say that? One of the most beautiful... He's full of beautiful comments, if he If he beats Justin Hoonies in his <laughs> upcoming fixture on 16th of June, that moment will be reviewed... And he's the Australian heavyweight champion. That'll be the defining moment of his career. And we will be discussing for decades who has had the greater career, Chuck Mundine or Paul Gallen. Think about that for a moment. Boy, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack in that. So let's just get right away from it. And go to another thing I mentioned about the love letters, the open letters. So we've had a letter that started off with Buzz writing an open letter to the horseman. So Buzz is very much the anti-Vlandite. Yes. And he doesn't like what Vland says, dirty, dirty sky. <laughs> and he's upset and he's sitting there. You can picture Buzz writing an open letter. He's got the you know, three-course Chinese meal in front of him <laughs> on his own. 
<laughs> we know he's never actually in at uh, Kipax Street at no. News Limited. He's the editor at large because they actually won't assign him a desk because they really don't run him around. Dribbling. That's right. <laughs> Chinese so, leftovers so, everywhere. So he'll be somewhere down in Chinatown with the laptop. In Chinatown, not in the Shire. Well, maybe. I mean, we used to go to the Bamboo Court down on Rocky Point Road. That, that could be a favourite of Buzz's. And, and the King Wan, I don't think, is Do currently operating it. Do they take, do they so take they cash? Because the obviously, last thing in the world you want. I think it's shy they still do, actually. Yeah, so Buzz is there with cash. He's got some Chinese and he's uh, he's penned an open letter to the horseman. Yes. And what did he say? Well, first of all, uh, he points out to Volandis that uh, I wrote a letter three years ago to Todd Greenberg about the penalty crackdown and who can forget yep. its pinnacle when there were 30-odd penalties down at Shark Park resulting in the... On St. Quirinus Day. Yes. And, and the, the final, the, grand, the, the greatest moment in league history of yeah. the sin-binning of Cameron Smith. What fine theatre that was. I wasn't there, and God, I wish I was. I was there. Yeah. I was, it, You're so blessed. It's funny because it said the crowd figure was 15,000. I've spoken to at least 30 who said I know. It, it's like they always... The first time I ever heard reference to that was the tied test, the first yep. test in the 60-61 series between Australia, Australia and the West Indies, Indies up at the Gabba. And that iconic photo of Joe Solomon running out. Gosh, I can't remember who. It might have been Lindsay Klein. I can't quite remember who the Australian was struggling to make their ground. And at best, there were 4,000 people in the ground that day. Yeah. And they always say the number of people you spoke to. And that's how it started. So our modern version of the Tide Test is definitely Sharks for Melbourne oh. uh, on St. Quirinus's day. And a little lone, Luke Lewis got sent off the same day. Who cares? And he got sent off because Billy Slater took a dive. <laughs> well, so Billy Slater. Well, that's dive, relevant for what this isn't discussion. It? Isn't so, it? So Buzz, because of the concern of the pedantic nature of the referees under the edict of Greenberg, wrote an open letter to Todd Greenberg, and consequently saved Origin. Of course he did. Because there are only five penalties in the ensuing Origin fixture after Buzz's open letter, and I'm no mathematician, fact, but I think you can correlate Buzz's letter five penalties. Well. 32 penalties, Buzz's letter, five penalties. I believe that's a 6%, is it? <laughs> I don't want to get into the maths. <laughs> Let's get into the maths. But that is a genre-shattering letter. Oh, yeah. And and imbued by the enthusiasm and that he generated and the impact he had on the fabric of the game, because remember back then he tweeted that rugby league is a shit game. And but if, you know, when Buzz is tweeting that way, you know we're in trouble. Yeah. He's taken upon himself to pen another edict to Peter Volandis and saying, please don't apply the magic round fiasco that we all had to endure a month ago to Origin. Otherwise, the product, something that Daly Evan, Cherry Evans likes to refer to, yep. will be uh, irrevocably compromised. And so, basically, this is I Saved Origin 2 by Buzz Rothfield. Wow. And then we've had that. So, then we've had the... So, this is all within News Limited. So, News Limited traditionally is very much a wall, an edifice that it has one opinion. Suddenly, you've got, you've got Buzz writing that. And what happens the next day? Friend of the show, Paul Kent... He's gone and written an open letter, not to Peter Volandis, but to, to Buzz. Buzz. Now, don't these people work for the same organisation? <laughs> Can't he just get on the phone? Has, he not, has Buzz not got a phone for poor old Kenty to ring him on saying, Buzz, he's <laughs> had to actually write it in the paper, in the public domain. First of all, it's like an episode of Community. It's so meta. <laughs> and, and secondly, Rupert Murdoch has clearly lost control. But, you know, he's, he's, he's probably nearing the twilight of his career. And there's no clear succession strategy. Which oh, I see Kenty is, and Buzz could be it. Which I see Peter Volandis is going to take over News Limited. Well, I see it as an opportunity. I'd love to be the uh, the editor of the Daily Telegraph one day soon. But so Buzz's letter is short and succinct; barely takes up half a column. 
Kenny's goes for an entire page, and I got to be honest, I just skimmed it, like, <laughs> because I don't think he was addressing any of Buzz's arguments. He just saw this as a soapbox to put out the Kent view, which is very much the Volandi's view. And as I highlighted at the uh, the beginning of this show, uh, was um, pretty much the man who saved rugby league. So. This is all really worth consuming. So what this means is that News Limited has doubled down and no matter what happens they've got on Wednesday it. night, they've covered it and they've saved Origin. Both of them have. Well, and then the coaches are involved as well. So the coaches, all these communications going on. So we've got Buzz writing open letters to Volandis, Kenty writing open letters to, to, well, to Buzz. And now we've got the coaches calling Horse Maxwell... <laughs> To discuss and say, come on, surely you're not going to be surely horse. Can you can you give us some date now, horse? I had the great pleasure of being in the room while horse was commentating on the Jets Raiders uh, New South Wales Cup game. Knock on effect. Knock on effect. Canberra twenty, Newtown ten. And there was plenty of knock on effects during the game. Um, and there was horse, and it was fascinating hearing horse's insight into what a referee watches in the game. Obviously, that you know Bill Harrigan's been on there on Triple M for years. Doing that, but he's much more controversial. Horse is much more straight down the line. He's blinkered, may I say, and all he's looking at is referee process. And all he was saying was, "Yeah, what do you think of the refereeing so far?" Oh well, a couple of penalties each way early on, and the players are all being quite compliant. Case is doing a great job. They're all very, very compliant, and all we want is compliance. We want the players to comply with the rules, and we don't have to do that much. And that's really the purpose of referees to get the players to comply with the rules. It was fantastic, horse. It just it, and and that was their view. Don't break the rules, and we just, they just want to coast. The, the referees, they're just footy fans, and they're going, "How good is this? We've got the best team in that seat in the house. Could you pricks stop breaking the rules so we can enjoy the game? That's all they want. They just want to enjoy the game." Did you sneak a peek at his phone? Because if the calls came in during the coverage, would they say Brad Fittler and Paul Green, or was it Freddie and Green? Green. <laughs> I think the the calls were Monday. Ah. The calls were on Monday, and uh, Horse had a little chat about them, about compliance. Just what the players comply comply with the rules. We're looking for compliance, Freddie. Freddie's in compliance, and uh, and then Freddie's response has been that doesn't want players doing the Billy Slater, or the or the Matt Mitchum, or the Dane Laurie, Reed Marnie, or Tyrone Peachy from the weekend, which is lay down when contacted, no matter how softly around the chops and milk the penalty. And make sure you grab the correct path that you're contacted on. Don't grab your face when you're going for the crusher. This has led to a, an apparent, but yet to be actually documented in triplicate as a compliance regime would want, Horse Maxwell style, gentle person's agreement between the Blues and the Maroons that there'll be none of this. And this is building on the premise that Freddie Fittler wants to see and is in fact coaching into his Blues players probably to their detriment because I expect Queensland to lie down constantly. Yeah, He wants his players to play footy. Be tough, show resilience. Oh, resilience. There it is. I, I don't have any resilience, and boy, do I feel inadequate can in the world. Can we expect there's going to be some pride and disappointment if they show a lot of resilience and don't lie down? Because I, I I can tell you, Cam Munster, Cam Munster loves a little lay down. Cam Munster loves taking even not even a glancing blow, just a hand in the vicinity, and he's down, and the moustache is twirling. He's got the actual moustache twirling. He lies down. He's unconscious. He's the possum. He's dead. Oh, he sees the light. He's coming towards the light. Then the whistle blows, and he's up, and he's bouncing, and he's bouncing from tree to tree, and his brushy tail is wiggling from side to side, and he twirls his moustache. Ha, 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 I have a penalty. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, what foot injury. Dennis, this is origin, so it's rugby league on steroids, so the losing coach will be... Proud but disappointed. Oh. And he'll describe his players as brave but dumb. 
Could somebody please help me? I'm a little bit confused. When selectors choose for Queensland, could you tell me what map they used? Where you're born and where you come from, surely that's your origin. So could somebody please tell me what state these towns are in? Where is Sydney? That's it, Queensland. Suva, Fiji? That's it, Queensland. Where is Bowraville? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. And now it's time for the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Well, for New South Wales, if I'm coaching them, I'm thinking, well, we need to win one of these first two. All right, that's, that's going to be vitally important. And that's the same in any series because you want to be in game three. And the sooner you can win one, if you lose the first one, well, you've still got to win game two to get into game three. If you lose them both, you're not in game three. If you win them both, well, they're not in game three. She's over, baby. And that was the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Oh, Gus Gould, you magnificent beast. There's some astonishing insight there into one of the greatest minds, the inventor of rugby league. That's why he is the greatest coach in origin history, I would argue, forget your Mal Meninga, because he's been able to humanise and explain in layperson's terms how the three-game format well, see, this works. is the thing, because with Ricky Stewart, back in, what was it, 2012, 2011, Ricky was saying, if we win one game against this Queensland team, they're so good that if we win one game, I'll be pleased. That's right. And that's because he didn't understand that you, you have, have to win, win two. two. Exactly. One's not enough, Rick. That's right. And that's oh. and that's why he didn't really succeed as an origin coach in the long term. No, but he did win that one. Yeah, but Gus Gould and his pitch when he first got the gig as origin coach, he went to the New South Wales Rugby League and he said, fellas, I've worked it out. We've got to win two out of three to win the origin oh. shield. And the board said, you're hired. That's a game changer. That's, that's a real game changer. Boy, and that and that, how can they not put him in the Channel Nine commentary team? It, we're, we're not going to know what's going on because the commentary science, the the, the leading yeah. data, if I can use that word, has said that repeated use of the vocal cords, particularly if you're in the AstraZeneca generation, as both Fatty, yourself, Gus, and I am, you've got to space it out. And if you had Gus going straight from a Friday night football game at Leichhardt Oval into Origin, and then on the weekend. He's not going to be good. He'll be right probably for that standalone Sunday game. Yeah. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with the talent, Dennis. You mm. can't wear them out. Otherwise, you'll have stress fractures in the in throat. The vo- in the vocal cords. Just like the cricketers yeah. have them in the back. In, and their feet. Yeah, well, I can say I'm a little Ankles. spaced out myself after having the uh, the shot and the, the Valium, the Melbourne Storm, the bland feeling that I've got. But How did you go with the, the AstraZeneca? I got... I got a bit achy, had a restless night, a bit of a chill, but I thought it was worthwhile. I thought it was my community duty, the, Dennis. The, the nurse who administered the jab, gee, she was good. She oh, yeah? was good with the just distraction technique, with yeah. the, pretty much the bait and switch. Yeah. Talking, talking, talking. Oh, she's put. Oh, she just done. Yeah, Very good. Pain. Like, who was the, the dentist in MASH, the painless pole? <laughs> he was really good with the, the needles, and, it, and no one ever saw the needle coming. It was, it's, you know, that was what she was like. She uh, was the painless pole. I went to a GP, and one of his trainee doctors, she administered the, oh. the injection, and the way she did it, she goes, is that Peter Volandis over there? And of course, <laughs> I was immediately distracted. And you know what? It was. <laughs> 
<laughs> we go to the same medical centre. It's incredible. And he was there getting the AstraZeneca or was he going the Anastasia Palaszczuk and getting the Pfizer? No. Cheating. No, but my uh, friend, and I won't call him friend of the show because he barely listens, but he'll probably will once I tell him I'm mentioning him. A guy called Scott Hedge was actually at the petrol Hedge. station the other day <laughs> and filling up his Mercedes SUV was the horseman himself. And oh. I, said to, I said to him, Scott, did you go over and give him a piece of my mind? And he said, no, I decided not to. And I go, well, you should have. So the horseman, he was filling his Mercedes. When was this? This was, I think he spotted him last weekend. Last weekend. Because there has been a story about the horseman. And, and the reality, we talk about the horseman as being the saviour of rugby league. And we talk about the horseman as coming in and being the dictator. But we know in truth, the horseman is actually underneath yes. the true power. Yes, and the horseman has—he's become a little bit. He's changed. He's contrite. Yes, because he's gone and had breakfast with Uncle Nick. So this is the Kithera connection, yep. which runs rugby league, and its tentacles are everywhere. I mean, Peter Peters comes to mind as another member of the Kithera connection. Uh, so Nick the, Pappas, the Greeks of have the pantheon. They do. Where there's the who, there's, there's the god that there's a children of the gods, and then there's the titans underneath that. There's a whole there's a whole ranking. You've system got Zeus that, and Hera up the top. And that's I mean, that's and that's, that's Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think Zeus is Politus? Yeah, Zeus yeah. is Politus. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, I, I'd have Volantis around the Vulcan level. Who, <laughs> who I think in, in Greek mythology is Hephaestus. I think is the right way to say. Right. Uh, who was very much in love with Aphrodite and it didn't work out for him. Uh-huh. Pretty much like how Volantis' remote romance for the game is going sour at the moment. But there, there's a pecking order and there's an expectation. We've also talked about it as the Illuminati. Yeah. So obviously. When you've got the likes of Buzz Rothfield as the voice of reason, Nick Pilatus realises that the game is in trouble, that the crackdown as it was administered in Magic Round was was an overreach. So he's called Volantis in for breakfast. Now, have a guess where this breakfast was held. Uh, uh, Machiavelli's? No, they don't do breakfast. Somewhere in eastern Sydney. Somewhere in eastern Sydney. Uh, can I guess there was uh, large leather couches... Wood panelling on the walls, right. a doorman. <laughs> yes, security. And the doorman just didn't, didn't even ask for name, just looked, saw it was Volandis, gave him a quiet nod, gave a little a, a coded tap on the door and the door then opens and Peter Volandis walks through to the wood panelled room. And, and Volandis is very much made um, a virtue of his working class background and he's not quite in completely imbued with all the airs and graces of elite living in the eastern suburbs. So, of course, he's offered a coffee and he goes, I'll have a, I'll have a skim cappuccino and... It's just a pause from Volantis. Go, sorry, an espresso, right? because they don't have any regular sized cups. It's all just those tiny coffee cups. And you wouldn't pollute your coffee with milk. I actually had dinner with Nick Pilatus once. It's another story, though. Was there wood panelling on the walls? There was. Um, <laughs> let me tell. You, I'll simply say that that when Nick got up to leave, that was signal that that was the end of the dinner. And anyway, um, this uh, overreach has got Pilatus concerned. So he's actually you know taken Volantis and sat him down and gone. Now, Grasshopper. <laughs> and this, of course, takes me back to the great David oh. Carradine series, Kung Fu, which has yep. just been rebooted. You can catch on Fox. like, And basically, Master Poe was... Politus. Politus. Right. So it's so coincidence? Co- so Poe is the Greek word, is the, the Chinese word. For Politus. For, uh, Politus is the Greek word. Right. And, and so the I Chinese, went into the entomology. The Chinese, they aren't scared to have their own pantheon as well. There's That's a, right. There's a lot of gear goes on there. Yeah, with yeah, their yeah. And I went into mythology. the entomology of the Greek language and it turns out that Volantis actually is grasshopper in Greek. And I had no idea. And now it's all explained. And what he said is you've got to go out, make the peace with the Players Association, particularly DCE, which he has, and just... <laughs> ease it back 
And I think in Crackdown week number four, as we broadcast here from Batuta Studio number four, things have changed, haven't they? Well, I think they have, but I've got to say, I watched that interview of DCE about the crackdown and his position on it and his position with Volandis. And it, it threw me back to that conversation with uh, who's the players, the players committee, what's it with? Uh, the the RLPA. The RLPA, the Robbie Lee Players Clint Association. Newton. Clint Newton's conversation with Kenty. And I listened to, it's like eight minutes long, and I listened to it. I was like, what What did I just hear? And I listened again. I thought, there are some questions asked. They're a little bit nebulous. The answers are more nebulous and don't relate to the questions. I was sitting back going, what, what are they talking about? They're not, there's nothing. This is just eight minutes of absolutely nothing. It's sailed over my head. Well, well Grasshopper. <laughs> Please. I think what you need to understand is that the issues don't matter in rugby league. It's just the being in rugby league. The fact that you're on the radio talking rugby league is enough of itself. By the way, if you go in and do a bit of research on Kung Fu, because the show... There were two shows that were big on Channel 7 as I was growing up that were huge successes that didn't hold my attention because I, I think I never bought the fantasy sequences. And they were Kung Fu and uh, The Incredible Hulk. Right. Starring Bill Bixby, Courtship of Eddie's father, dot, dot, dot. But you go in and look at the Wikipedia entry on the Carradine Kung Fu now, and it's a huge debate about the fact that he was played a half-Asian man and there's a huge debate about that show should be discredited from that. Ooh, yep. On the other hand, it was the the best gig going for actors with an Asian background at the time. And it was the number one show in the United States. Wow. How about that? Because Tom Cruise, of course, did a great job as an Asian gentleman. No one bought it. Have you no seen, one. Have you seen Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's? So, <laughs> so if you go on Fox yep. for the, uh, the reboot... Um, I think you'll find over the course of the seasons, as it moves into season two, you'll see a Volandis and a Pilatus character appear as part of the overall context of this show. Is this young Volandis with the flowing locks or is this Volandis with the vampire haircut? No, you'll get, the, yeah, no, you'll get, it the, grows, you'll get you contemporary rugby league issues in the series as we're currently living, but you'll get the flashbacks to the flowing oh, Volandis. Fantastic. On Kithra, sort of, you know, so Timosera style and Wonder Woman. So the crackdown, you think that Uncle Nick has had a word to back off with the crackdown. Yes. Well, the latest form of the crackdown was just more penalties. Can we can we speak to can we see what Ivan Cleary said about it? The penalties have gone up 200% in the last 4 weeks from our games. So we've gone from 6. I think that's right my mass. Average of 6 to an average of 18 in the last 4 weeks, so. Um so oh boy, in, in ancient Greece, in Athens, they had a, a venue called the Academy. It was the first tertiary education venue. And it's it's on which the modern university was, it the, was the Academy. The Academy had two departments, Theoria and Praxis, literally theory and practice. In theory, there was one department, which was Musica, and that covered mathematics, music and maths to the classical Greeks. They were the same subject. Now, I'm putting that the classical Greeks, music, maths and rugby league are in fact the same subject. Right. And Ivan, he's just pulled it right out there. Now, what do you make of that maths that there's 18, 6, average of 6, average of 18, 200%. Is that 200? 200%. Well, you know, I thought he'd gone to the Benny Elias School of Mathematics. Who well, 100, 170%. Yeah, Tom Travoy, which made every manly player 10% better, so therefore they're a 170% better team. But I've got to defer to Ivan. He's correct. A 200% increase from 6 penalties is 18 penalties. So he's not saying that we've got – it's a, it's 300% – Total. It's three times as many but penalties. But it's actually only 200%, only 200 increase. increase. Yeah. So Ivan, he might be the most evil man in rugby league, but he's one who, much like Gus Gould, 
You have to win more than one out of three games to win a three-game series. He's right on the nail there, isn't he? So Yeah, so when Freddie was calling horse during the Jets-Raiders game about what he described on Friday, and there'd been no firmer supporter of the Volantis crackdown than Freddie to this point, he started to see that the penalties were pedantic. I mean, players were just basically brushing the nose of an opposition player and so forth. Or if there was a player lying on the ground and they went to affect the tackle and they brushed the head, they, they were all eliciting penalties. Yeah. But they weren't eliciting sin bins, Dennis. They weren't mm. eliciting send-offs. There was a, could, you could just see that they were paving the way for origin. Oh. And, and, and in doing so, the other knock-on effect, if I can use that expression... <laughs> Of this is the laydown phenomenon that we've seen, which has hopefully resulted in the general person's agreement so that we won't see pedantic penalties or any laying down during Origin. We'll just see 13 versus 13 plus benches in a brutal but legal display of everything that's wonderful about rugby league. But imagine if there is a gentleman's agreement. Like if they can have a gentleman's agreement about not attacking the head and about not laying down, imagine that the, the revolution that would happen if Freddie and Greeny meet up and go, how about we say the players don't cheat? <laughs> Imagine what would happen then. The game would be just fall apart. There's no the theatre, the whole theatre of the referee is gone. What would? How would it work? If I leave the 18th and the 19th players out of this, so the 34 players taking part in that game tomorrow night, and assuming there isn't an 18th man brought in, the one player who would be most likely to immediately go to, but we had an agreement, would be who? Oh, Munster? No, it's got to be DCE. D- oh, like, yep. Yeah, 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 last right. player lays down. And, and Cherry Evans just kept, but we had an agreement, yes. I dare say. I dare, I dare, <laughs> <laughs> would, just like he had with the Titans, yeah, I dare say. Right. Yes. Uh, now, with Cleary saying the, the 200% increase correctly, um, what, did the, uh, what, did, what did the West Tigers fans think of Nathan Cleary? It was great to hear that. There's, there's a lot of, there was a lot of issues with like heart. By the way, that was directed at Nathan. From- that, that, that's actually audio <laughs> of what was directed at Nathan, and the other audio was directed at Ivan. The, the Tigers fans in the Latcham Robinson or the Norm Latcham Robinson stand were so well organised. They actually had two troops. Right. A little bit like in hip hop. All my people over here say yeah, and all my people over here say yeah. So you'd get this beautiful like row, row, row your boat. Cleary's a wanker chant going. Half directed at Nathan in the players' enclosure, half directed to Ivan in the coach's box. It was lyrical, it was musical, it was rugby league. They are a wonderful crowd. It, it reminded me of being last night at the proms, and yes. they all had their pith helmets and, and hankies on their heads and Union Jacks. As they were, the, the, the speed of their reaction that when something happened with Penrith, boo, they, they, they were fully, he's behind you. Well, they were absolutely pantomime. The booing and the cheering was beautiful. But it was also the rugby league literacy that I liked. Oh, and, and I know you and I were both purists. there. And, and Redfern Pat was also there. So we're all there. And and we're Tigers fans. I'm referring to myself here. Well, I saw that Redfern Pat was wearing a Tigers jersey. He's, and can it, I ask, it, with, without Redfern Pat picking our microphone, can you have an estimate, seeing as we're talking about maths, exactly how many beers did Redfern Pat get through in your bottomless fridge? All I, all I know is, is that the VB shelf was clear. Uh, the Great Northern had a big dent in it. And when they came to close the fridge in the area that were involved, uh, Pat said, could I have another beer? And the uh, waiter said, look, I'm afraid it's closed. I said, I'll just let him grab one which I think he did and consumed. And as we were walking back to the car midway, I heard, Ksh! and there might've been a few more secreted. So it was, it was another wonderful performance by Redfern Pat. But 
what I liked about Friday night, and there were so many things I liked about Friday night, <laughs> was the literacy of the crowd. So we're leading by 12 with just under 10 minutes on the clock. And yeah, no one's happy. We're, no, we're, we're not comfortable. No. I call it the Dawn Fraser principle because I used to sit in front of Dawn. If we're ahead by more than 12 and there's less than two minutes of the clock, that's when she would smile. They physically, mathematically cannot score enough points Correct. in that amount of but, time. But if we're only up by 12 and there's two and a half minutes on the clock, she ain't smiling yet. <sighs> yep. Three gold medals nonetheless, or over three Olympics. Now, what happened was that the, we forced a, a drop restart, the line drop out, and Matt Burton, Birdo, who didn't have the best night, Birdo, has neither gone short or long. He's gone hybrid, oh. like um, Toyota Camry style. Yeah, and he's gone for the sideline, but he's gone aerial. He hasn't gone grubber. And Jimmy the Jet, and we're loving Jimmy the Jet on the wing, has just expertly positioned himself, one foot over the line, one foot in the field of play, out on the full penalty in front of the sticks. Dewey's going to kick her up by fourteen. At that point, and only at that point, did the Tigers crowd turn as one and start giving the <laughs> Razu to Cleary because they now. We're 14 with less than 10 minutes to go, we will win this game. The the rugby league literacy, the poetry of it, Dennis, it warmed the cockles of my heart. Now, what did Ivan think of it? What was Ivan's response to it? Pretty passionate crowd tonight. Do you think they took it a bit far at the end? Oh, I didn't really notice. Lies, <laughs> lies, and more lies from Ivan Cleary. You can see this smirk on it. They put him on the big screen and the crowd went pretty berserk at that point. You could see the little slightly crooked grin of, yeah, I've got these people. That's right. Yeah, you can I'm, have I'm telling you, I was at the urinal oh. and uh, started a chat with a fellow fan. We might need a weekly segment who I was talking to at the urinal. The urinal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Toilet talk on fire up. And we were discussing the fact the Tigers are up 6-0, but, you know, we're all fearing Penrith. You know, they still had a really class team and, he goes, well, it's a long way to go, and he agrees. And I go, they've got a good system. He goes, that's true. And I said, but I tell you, I really hope that we give it to Ivan tonight because he is the most evil man in rugby league. And he goes, ooh, that's a big statement. And I said, just think about it. He got rid of our big four, well, except for Brooksy, who's finally had a great, <laughs> yeah, having a couple of good games. Got rid of a big four, which was the future of our club, the Tedesco, Woods, Moses. Local Axis. juniors. Yeah, yeah. And then he's exalted, exalted us to get on the bus. We had to put up with that Blue Wiggle stupid song about get on the bus. Uh. Right. We all commit to it. We all get tattooed on the bus. And then he drives the bus to Blue Bet to give its correct name, Dennis Stadium. And he gets off at Penrith and then abandons us. And the guy goes, you know what? You got a good point. And that word rippled out. And so when we were up by 14... The crowd just gave voice to how everybody in Tiger Town feels. And I say to the Penrith chairman, David O'Neill, who said, oh, well, they can have their five seconds of fame. First of all, it's 15 minutes. Thank you, Andy Well, Warhol. I think it was 80, in fact. Yeah. And we will take every single second of that. And yes, we have long memories. And I just want to finish, because I'm a little bit fired up about this, Dennis. The allegations that were made on the Big Sports Breakfast on Sunday. Now, these are against these are against Redfern Pat, are they, with the, can, with the cans? Well, it could. <laughs> he certainly was in possession of some cans. I, I do have to concede that. But apparently a Panthers fan, alleged, quotation mark, contacted the Big Sports Breakfast weekend radio show on Sunday. Didn't know that was still a thing. <laughs> Tiger supporters were throwing cans at women and kids of Penrith supporters. Oh, can you read that line again? Tiger supporters were yep. throwing cans at women and kids of Penrith supporters. Right. Abusing us, which is part and parcel of the game in good spirits. But the obscene language was appalling, Michael said. 
Okay, that, there's there's a lot we need to unpack there. Michael's. This is Michael Chamis, obviously. Well, have to well assume, I would imagine so. We have to assume it's Michael Chamis. Well, you know, did you see when big Stefano Utukamano scored the try and they dragged Stephen Crichton into the huddle a la the Tarpany incident and Crichton took it in good spirits and, of course, Chamis wrote it up yesterday. Oh, what a good, oh, what good sport, what a good sport <laughs> Stephen Crichton is from Penrith. So as he was helping the drunk guy home, as observed by the woman who followed them all the way home. It was, himself. in fact, Michael Chamis Jesus. as well. So we've got a thing that So we have, they were the women and kids of Penrith fans. Yeah, because they're not... So Penrith fans aren't women and kids. Correct. So, so they're only male. We're out in the West and there's only male fans. So this is they're, they're goods and chattels. They're the property of them. It's Kardashian-like. It's Kardashian-like. The women and kids are property. They are trophy wives and children, Dennis. And this is and and they're not throwing the cans at the Penrith fans, but at the women and children of Penrith fans. That's right. So they, the, the, the typical Tigers fan will identify the opposition and the last thing they do is throw a can at a male protagonist. They'll pick out the women and children first. And do that because that's the way we are. Well, was there according any specificity to around the fans that were? It wasn't women and children throwing cans at the women and children, was it? Just sure. Tigers fans. Because we're a broad church. Tigers you fans. You can actually be so can- <laughs> male or non-gender specific and be a Tigers fan as opposed to Penrith. And he also goes on to saying that that, that this is all well and good. Yeah, no, he said that's, but it's, pa- that's but part it's and a foul parcel language. Of, yeah, he said that's just part and parcel of the game. But throw your cans, knock yourself out, throw your cans at our Penrith women and children related supporters, <laughs> but don't. Say rude words while you're doing it. There is a limit. And to be honest, when I think about Penrith and how they are, Jewel of the West, that's probably about right. The line (laughs) is probably about right. But no greater a a scribe than James Hooper was on the hill and he didn't observe it. And I might just say that the the Penrith people are just a little bit arrogant, a little bit born to rule right now. It's their first loss in 360 first grade games regular season, apparently. You think they're making up stories. So I think we'll take our five seconds of fame and parlay it into a full 15 minutes. Dave O'Neill, stuff you. (laughs) And can I just complete this discussion by simply saying Cleary's a wanker. Was there any other games this weekend, or was it just was that the only one? No, there were other games. I think the St George Illawarra Dragons had a huge victory over the Brisbane Broncos in a game of touch football, where the submissive nature of the tackling, as a result of the Volandis crackdown, was there for all to see. <laughs> Though Matt Dufty had a good game. Oh, Matt Dufty had a great game, and Matt Dufty, of course, <laughs> being fired by the Dragons. Matt Dufty. Well, he's he's controversially being fired by the Dragons. So the question is, have they said? Have they gone? You know, we're not going to re-sign you. And he's on he's on air saying, "I love the Dragons. I was born here. All I want to do, all I growing up, is just play for the Dragons. This is it. This is the club I love, and this is all I want to do. And and I want to work. You know, do it for the boys here. And it's a little bit at odds with what the what the Dragons are saying. And there's Danny Wildler. Girls gone Wildler. Danny Widler has come out and said uh, that he, this is not his words, this is what he's hearing from the Dragon. So again, unconfirmed sources, rumours, et cetera, et cetera, was that uh, sometimes Dufty, he's not good at taking criticism from coaches. Right. And Which is a generally a source of analysis, feedback and criticism, I think, as your coach. Well, it's kind of the job of the coach is, is to say, to critique your game. I have heard, though, that the modern coach, the old model was you could spray the group, but now the modern coach can't spray the group, but there's still an understanding that you can spray the individual isolated from the group, which to me oh, sounds so like it's more, this mis- is, so this is more, more pressure. Dog training. Yeah. Ignore the bad, praise the good. Yeah. So that's what we've got. So, of course, there's a famous story of Alan Jones in his book. Now, who was it that he said, I, I, I don't like spraying an individual? I don't like spraying the age. The team's not playing. Who was it? 
Well, um, you're, not, a, you're not referring to the Campese incident, are you? No, it's not that. There was there was a game at there was a at the Tigers. There was a story ge- at the Tigers. I don't, I don't know the story, but I'm guessing Brian Smith. There was a particular <laughs> player who, who he said David Basari. David Basari, it might have been. Well, there you go. I'm I'm, I'm not one to. I'm, I'm sound like Verlanders, not one to pick out people and you know criticize. But you, you've not done four times. You've missed four tackles. You have. You and the whole group apparently just started laughing. Wasn't the response he was after. I mentioned Brian Smith, and famously, Jones became a Smith booster, and he was off the Far Jones bandwagon. And I don't know why we're talking rugby union, but apparently, I we, was actually talking about the Tigers. Yes, I know the rugby league. You remember but, them? But very quickly, in their uh, successful 1986 Bledisloe Cup tour, they did lose the middle game of the mm. three. And now that I've heard from Gus Gould, you've got to win two out of three. The series wasn't so over. It was okay. It was, there was one all, but apparently, Jones addressed the group old school style. <laughs> And said there are only 14 players out there, 14 players putting in, 14 players committed to Australia, only 14. Targeting, by not mentioning him, Campisi. And Far Jones is captain of the team. And I don't think this is a matter of public record. I think this has you know, been well documented. Said, Alan, I'm not sure you probably are getting the best result by um, doing that. And that was the end of um, the, the great relationship between the two as player coaches. I understand it. Wow. But well, that's just conjecture. I'm pretty sure I read that in his biography, his Fitzsimons authored biography. <laughs> We're getting back to the Dufty situation where yes. the, the Widler's saying he doesn't take coaching criticism well. In the same article, it's actually all about Dufty. The favourite to sign him is the Raiders. Ah, I've now, heard that. He's going to tour the facilities. He's going to tour the facilities. Now, of course, if, you've, if he doesn't like being <laughs> criticised by a coach, is it the best fit to have him going with Rick? Now... It's, there's no secret. I love Rick. We all and, love Ricky. And I fantasise about being sprayed by Rick. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful thing to be a dentist. You're singing flat. Your songs are shit. Your, word are, your word's rubbish. You've only ever had one song. You've only ever had one song and I've forgotten even what it was. <laughs> Imagine having... But I'd, I'd love to have that, but I don't know if that's going to work for well, Dufty. It's, it's a tough sell for Dufty because, first of all, these are the facilities that people who live in the north of England have rejected. Because <laughs> they're not cold... <laughs> Dull and grey enough. And yep. if you're looking for a cuddle, please meet Ricky Stewart. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a way to run on that one. But there's more trouble in Canberra, isn't there? Oh, well, so Curtis Scott. Ah, yes. Um, at at a wonderful nightclub in Canberra. He's been... Um, Morton Bay Fig. He's been caught out. He's been asleep under a Morton Bay Fig. And who would, have thought, who would have thought that when Bellamy lets a player go, he doesn't usually let players go. They, they go to the Storm... They play good and retire, or they go somewhere else and they're dud. So before they go to the Storm, they're duds. They play at the Storm under the regime. They've had the AstraZeneca. They are, everything's flat and even. They have one job. They do that job, or they go. Well, like you look at Remus Smith and Robert Jennings in the current lineup. I mean, and How the hell? Are, they're awesome. I know. And I mean, it was Branko Lee last year, origin player. I mean, there's sorcery that goes on there, Dennis. There clearly is. There's and, a mixture of even, science and sorcery. would even say a certain uh, William Chambers. Yes. William Chambers, who was he was a premiership winner, and he was such a dominant player in Melbourne. And now he's at the Sharks and you know, whatever. The only good thing Will Chambers did was that at the uh, at that Dragons-Broncos game, there was a debut player for the Broncos. And um, as Corey Norman, who was taken off to give an, get an early shower as a reward, there was someone in the corner of the ground yelling at Corey Norman. And it was, this isn't a quote, but it was along the lines of, Norman, you're a mug. You're a dud. They'd be better off without you on the field in the first place. It's a great call was, pulling you off because you're a joke. Was it Hook Griffin? It wasn't Hook Griffin, <laughs> who had already hooked him. But 
there was footage on the TV of Chambers walking off, and I, I heard this from Michael Carianis, friend of the show. And he sort of looked across. He's looking a little bit hurt, but this is a stream of vitriol. And who and he turns, and there's Will Chambers giving it to him, telling him he's a dud. It was just, just beautiful. And Norman just rejoined, "You're playing at the Sharks, mate." Pretty much. Yeah, but it does bring up the horrible thing that Will Chambers, by all accounts of people that know him, is actually a really, really lovely guy. Diamond guy. I hate. But what about Curtis? Hear that? Well, Curtis uh, got into another fight in a nightclub. Allegedly. Allegedly, there's video. Allegedly, the police. Which I've seen. The police aren't. Well, everyone's seen it because the Canberra Times website says put it out there because it's it's public domain. The police have seen it. The police have said we will not press charges unless the victims. And that's the people who were punched, who allegedly one had a broken nose and, and some blood. Unless they come forward and press charges, we don't have enough data to go ahead and press charges. I've actually seen the official po- police media release on this. It was nothing to see, see here, move on. Yeah, you've all got homes to go to. So, yeah, it's a great thing. St- like, it's f- fantastic year for the Raiders with uh, the unsettlement of Georgie going, with uh, the great ending last year of Johnny Bateman going, with... Yeah, boy, 2013. It, it's pay, pay, painful, large. Dennis, but you mentioned the nightclub. Yeah. What was the name of the nightclub? So the night, Canberra's great, famous place for having wonderful nightclubs and wonderful nights. And, and during the lockdown in Sydney, Sydney, the, the arrogance of Sydney people going, oh, Canberra's boring. Canberra has nightclubs that open after midnight, even during the lockdown. You could go to Canberra, you could get on the drink after midnight. What a great thing it was. But this one, boy, it had a fantastic name. Trust any wider. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards to you're right. I got the wrong yes. wrong game. Call your phone today. No. Okay, your phone today. Um I have no intelligence, that's what I'm suggesting. A lot of talk about 360 people doing their own media watches uh, uh-huh. this week. Talking about hoops and Kent having that little boys club over Lara, which we've mentioned. There was a big debate about data during that discussion, wasn't there? Sure there? was. 
That's why we're often in this situation now. Players don't make okay, decisions as a day, collective. We won't know about how these rule changes affect the game because the data that we need to get is going to take a few years to collect. And I think the players know that. But, they've but, got a, oh, but well, in the well, meantime... Well, well, hang on, well, hang on. There's no doubt. Data. No, no. Whatever the data is, The data no that doubt. the NRL is putting out about fatigue and how fast uh, that, the game is... That's irrelevant to that, concussions. But that's what the... And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the rule changes before the concussion stuff that came out. I'm talking about when the NRL releases uh, data saying that the game's no. not fast or fatigue's not an issue and it upsets the players because they're the ones that are you know out there what, playing though? the this game. This is where the messages get lost. Let's hang, on. On, hang on, hang on. No, 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 let's let's that's what they use. No, the data's no, what they use to... Let's not leave data out okay, because data's an important point. part I know of you love data. I know you love data, Arthur. Can, can I make this point, OK? Wow. Big shout-out there to um, Hoops calling Ben Ark and R2-D2. That's right. So this goes down to whether you're into evidence-based or... How it feels, right? Yeah. yeah, we've got the two schools. Anecdotal or evidence. Yeah, we've got the two schools of thought. A theoria there. of praxis. We're back to Athens. We're back to the <laughs> academy. Who knew that the 360 desk was an accurate reflection of the theocracy of ancient Greece? Is that the yes. right way to say it? How about that? And also the the revolving propaganda model where one week it's about fatigue <laughs> and the next week there's no fatigue and then on women's round participation's up. This week. Then it's participation down because of head knocks. Then participation's up because of... Oh. Well, well, Andrew Webster refers to the NRL right now as a spin machine. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And Lara was actually making a really good point. Is that the premise by which the Volandis... And there I was, a lone voice in the wilderness, round three, resumption day. What's going on here? The introduction of the six again and off we go. And the premise for the introduction of these rules was to create more fatigue in the game, to bring the small person into the game at the back end when the big guys are tiring. Yep. That's why we're doing it. Then the concern was the fatigue was generating more injuries and would also be a factor in tackle slipping up. So the NRL then comes out and says, the data suggests there is no extra fatigue in the game. So they miserably failed in the changes that they made and it just goes round and round and round. It really it is, is wonderful. It's, it's fascinating listening to the speech patterns of Lara there. You could hear, I'm about to make the point part A. Yeah. Then she can see the interjection yeah. coming. So yeah. I'm gonna. So she speeds up and goes over. And it's just a bit of a. So yeah. she has to. She has to keep getting faster and faster to get her pointing because she knows she's about to be interrupted. And I mean, they always say when you do podcasts, don't talk over the top of each other. No, they don't Shouldn't say that, that apply on that television as well? <laughs> you think it should? They need a, a good traffic cop in there. Well, it's not I can. No, it's not <laughs> I can. R two D two. I can just sits there and goes, why wouldn't they give me that job? as the CEO of Broncos, because no matter <laughs> how bad the Broncos are going, it's got to be better than this. Pretty easy to talk over Darren Lock here. <laughs> now we have a bit of an origin. We have an origin prediction. Oh. And we had the, i gotta, I got to apologise for the Gus thing before, which, you know, I know there wasn't that much insight there. Oh, so there was who enough. Do you, who, do you, who do you talk to when you want insight? Gus. Crawley. Crawls. Here's his prediction for origin. There will be a winner. Wow! <laughs> that's not Doctor. That's his literal prediction of origin. There's going to be a winner. So it's not yeah. going to be a draw. So with a no. three-round series, yeah. it's not going to be a draw. If there no. is a draw, my, my understanding is that the team that won last... So if it's one each and then a draw, yeah. there's no golden point. But there's unlimited the golden point. Year, is there unlimited golden yeah. point? You it's sure? Changed. Yeah, they no. changed in 03. Oh, really? Game one, no, there's been a tied series since then. There's been a tied no, series since not. then. Game 105 went to golden point. Uh, what else went? Uh, we nearly went to Golden Point Game 3, 219. Yeah, I, w I would have thought that the Players Association would be all over the fact they had to limit the number of minutes they could play on Origin. Yeah. No, unlimited Golden Point on, on Origin. Well, there you go. Anyway, while Dennis is looking that up, we have had a lot of discussion amongst ourselves 
about this little clip from uh, Phil Gould during the week. Who, I, I had a conversation one day. Who was is the American country singer Willie um, Willie Nelson? Nelson. I met Willie Nelson. Where? He was standing on his own outside the dressing room, getting ready to go out and perform pre-match. No, Willie way. Nelson. What'd you say to him? I said, "Hey, mate, how you going?" <laughs> he said, "Hey, man." Hey, man. Of course he did. That's cool. Yeah, I said, "All ready?" He said, oh, "I think so." Really? Yeah, he was all ready to go. So wow. I sat down a little chat too. He said, I've never seen this game before. <laughs> Willie Nelson. I'm thinking that's Willie Nelson. Now, look, Gus, this is really interesting to me because Willie Nelson, of course, is well known for his huge support for marijuana. Yes. And I'm just wondering whether Gus was having some sort of coded conversation saying, I've had a bit of a smoke today because I have searched <laughs> my feelings and I have no recall. And I also went on Google. That, that suggests that Willie Nelson performed at an Origin game. If any list, or any looked, match involving through, the NRL, we've looked through Twitter, we've looked through Google, we've looked through everything. Cannot find any mention of Willie Nelson playing at the NRL. It, it really, it to me, that almost was like the dream sequence out of a movie like Ed Wood, where Ed Wood met you know Orson Welles in a in a diner somewhere. Has this theater, this theater of the mind with Gus, that he's actually. Imagined that he's met Willie Nelson and Maybe sort of. Maybe it's at the Panthers winning grand final. That's right. <laughs> he's had last year at the grand final when the Panthers won. And Which is probably when Luke Lewis scored that try. Because he's basically re- related to sort of essentially a stoner conversation. But we would love anyone to get on the Fire Up Facebook, particularly, and let us know when your Willie memories Nelson, of when Gus met Willie. And when Willie Nelson was. So it was, is this before State of Origin, he's saying? That was the inference, wasn't saying, it? Yeah, I thought he's it was. He's never seen this game before. Then I, yeah, and then I thought that he was saying. Um, well, maybe Willie Nelson was just at the game because he was in town, but he he said definitely Backstage. he's performing at the game. Yeah, and I mean, and it does posit the question: What would he play? It would have been great if in uh, Julio Iglesias was there and they could do the duet of "For All the Girls I've Loved Before." Uh, but I imagine if he was appointed for Game One at the Neutral Territory at Townsville, it'd be on the road again. Don't you think? Yeah, just so wonderful to be on that road again. Wow! I went through all of Willie Nelson's tour dates in Australia. <laughs> and what'd you find? Sorry, the last time he was in Australia was February 12, 2000. So that could, maybe it was the... February the, 12, 2000? 2000, wasn't, yeah. wasn't that the New South Wales series where they won by 50 that was going to kill Origin? So that was mid-year. Yep. Uh, Wayne Pierce was the coach anyway. Yep. Possibly it was at the opening of the stadium. There was a big double header. And Gus that was been, 99. Was that? that was the, the stadium was oh, opened yes. in 99. Yeah, I was at right. that. I was also at yeah. that 50-point drubbing. You're right. So, yeah, I thought it might have been that. That's out. By the way, Steve Georgialis was sitting directly behind me. And I think the West Tigers were in their slump that pretty much began with the loss to Penrith where they went to Lemons at 31-8 to and they got beaten 32-31, which is highlighted (laughs) on Fox in the lead-up to last week's game. And I said, how are we going to go tomorrow tomorrow night or this weekend? He goes, no, we'll be sweet. And I think we got pumped by 40. Wow. So we got two more visits in the 90s. We got 1995, but that was November, so there's no football on. Right, that rules that out. 1991, he was in May 1991, which was... He was in in Australia from the 15th to the 25th of May 1991. Origin was on the 8th of May and the 29th of May. So it could have maybe been there, but Gus wasn't even the coach in 91. No, he, well, just, he still invented it. He'd be part of it. Yeah. I mean, just was, walking around, giving the yeah. preamble. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't doing media in ninety one. So that's interesting. But based on your research, the most he was likely year is to a premiership in ninety one. Yeah, but he wasn't on Channel Nine yet. 
But you're saying the most likely year is 1991. Yeah. So if that helps anyone to recall. Willie Nelson at the State of Origin or indeed any... Anything. I'll take anything. We'll take anything. (laughs) We'll take Henson Park. Yeah. That's fantastic. Any Tricky Stewart facts this week? No, Tricky Stewart... I can tell you this categorically. His discography is incredible. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can confirm that it's not Ricky Stewart. It's not Ricky you know, masquerading as, a, as an R&B producer. Yeah. I'll have to look at the dates. Yeah, come back to us on that. Thank you to Liam Roos for sending in the highlighting the Gus and his origin um, tactics. That was brilliant. Thank you, Liam. That was brilliant. We had Michael Patrick on the Instagram talking about Dennis's song last week, which was... Um, that was brilliant. About George. About Georgie. Sorry, to, it must have been hard for you. It was very painful, very emotional. Michael Patrick says, is George Williams' pregnant wife, Yoko Ono, for breaking up the band? And it got me thinking about, so would that mean John Bateman, who just left, would be Epstein, so John Bateman leaves, it all turns to shit? Or Stu Sutcliffe, was it Stu Sutcliffe? Original drummer? Maybe Pete John Best. Bateman, is Stu, it was Pete Best. Pete yeah. Best was the original drummer, that's right. Yeah. Stu Sutcliffe was so the bass got, player, I think. He, Stu Sutcliffe, they did a movie, His Life Called Backbeat. Yeah, he was a, oh, he was a bass player. Mm. That's why Paul went to bass. Paul was a guitarist. And he went to base because Stu left. There you go. I don't know who's an original, who's a 10 years ago, the Raiders English. Englishman. First Englishman would have been Josh Hodgson. Or, oh, Elliot Smelliot. Elliot, Elliot. Smelliot Whitehead. Elliot Whitehead is the quarryman. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's the, what's the name of the Tigers? Ollie, Ollie Gildart? Gildart? Oliver Gildart. So he would be Jeff Lynn who comes on when the Beatles break up. The, the Wilburys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was actually... Watching the new 1971, the year that changed music series based on the David Hepworth book, and I saw episode one today, and there was footage of Lennon, and then of course George Harrison at the concert for Bangladesh, which brought Bangladesh into the public consciousness. And I, and there's there's a great movie that Scorsese made about uh, George Harrison's life, and he's underestimated in many ways. But so he'd be the Elliot Whitehead. Yeah. But just think about okay. the Wilburys. Just think about the Wilburys: Petty, Orbison, Lynn, Harrison, and Dylan. That's a band. It's quite the band. Yeah, I don't think Dylan and Orbison were along for the ride. <laughs> no, you see, got... like he's their, their songs, they're just like Orbison's on the top of his four one, volume one. They'll just pipe in, you know, for random lines here and there. But and, what a set of pipes. And and, oh, yeah. we, and we'd lost Roy by volume three and the in joke yeah. was there was no volume two. Which is like the first, uh, the second residence album. Or well, the Melbourne Storm Premiership. So the, 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 that's what we two of those. The third residence album was called The Residence Present the Third Reich and Roll. And they'd been uh, under the influence of the obscure Bol- Bolivian philosopher Ensenada, who says that you can only really let something go when you've forgotten that it's existed. So they never released their second album. Willie Nelson. They that it existed. Willie Nelson tour. I, I believe the residence supported <laughs> Willie Nelson on that tour in 1991. So the plot thickens. Maybe uh, just thinking about the because the Highwayman is Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and uh, Warren Wayland Jennings, Wayland Jennings and Chris Christopherson. Yeah, Chris Christopherson mm. spells Kent, his name Paul the same Kent's way as me. Paul Kent's a huge Johnny Cash Johnny fan. Johnny Cash fan. Maybe Paul Kent knows about this Willie Nelson business. I tell you what, I, 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 I show, fear Paul the Kent. day when when Paul Kent comes on three sixty and says, "I shot Buzz Rothfield just to watch him die." <laughs> uh, and um. <laughs> On that feud, on the, the, the op-eds to each other, when um, Paul Kent writes an article to Buzz, Buzz Rothfield, can Buzz say, I don't care what you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to do, do a quick one, we, um, we highlighted that the, going over the, the people that the Tigers fans have booed, which yes. of course the group is their own team, 
Yes. the opposition. That's right. We've yeah. covered the entire field over two games at Leichhardt. And the referees. That's right. The, the referees, referees copped it on the well. way out. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because of all the penalties in six against. <laughs> Crack down um, four. So we're talking about who else needs to be booed. So friend of the show, Ed Smith, said Volandis. Yes. Like Volandis, if he shows his face at, at well, Leichhardt. Which, which would be a huge fall from being cheered at the Anzac Day game, but that was because Minicello was on the big yep. screen at the same time. Yeah, be a long way from a cafe in the eastern suburbs, Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> That's right. Wood panelled. Leather seats. Um, and on a serious note, uh, Anthony Coe says the bunker reversing tries that have been awarded before the conversion is taken. I controversially am actually a fan of it because quite a few people are because if you the try is going to get taken away from you anyway. So when you got a try that's awarded and they stop, go to the video referee. You have less elation. Yep. So you got maximum elation. It's just some of that is um, non-founded. Whereas the other way that we used to have, you get a try and you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm. It's like my personal life. I'm all in favour of delayed gratification. <laughs> well, I, I do like that on, on Fox they actually put up a super and we had a, a mistaken video ref feed where they said um, protest over. Like the, So it says... Oh, try confirmed. Try confirmed. Yeah. And so you sit there, you're cheering. Yeah, yeah you got another one. You got another cheer because the try's confirmed. And I tell, oh, yeah. tell you what's not consistently happening in the grounds. You don't necessarily hear that ruck infringement voice every time. Yeah, we need to go to the bottom of that. Mm. Yeah. And the 10 metres. Is that it, Pat? That's it from me. So I've just I've got some feedback, Dennis, just to wrap up. I've got some feedback as well. So I posted a picture of Dale uh, Finucane after... Looking resplendent. He looked a little bashed up. And I said, well, Nico Hines has had a tough night out at the office. Uh, <laughs> on Instagram, 02Thag said, Cronulla Nightlife, watch out. And uh, Chris Samet, uh, Storms fan, uh, and has been on Fire Up the Radio Show, first night at Northies. If Toby Rudolph is that kind of level is pulling anything. <laughs> and that's Toby Rudolph's a pretty attractive guy. He's a pretty cool dude. Gene what chances are Dale Finucane got? Well, he can sing. And by the way, interviewed on 702, your left-wing loony station, Dennis, uh, Ash Taylor was asked about Preston Campbell's son, Jaden, and you may not have, if you watch the Fox coverage, you may not have actually worked out they're, that they uh, were related. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ash's, Did they both play for the Titans? Yeah. Ash's reaction to Campbell's debut, uh, to yeah, Campbell's debut was, it was awesome, it gives me shingles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, um, We've got to send a shout out to Stephen Ferris. The stocks of Far North Queensland DJs are so depleted at the moment that they've had to fly him in to keep listening, to keep the flag flying. So listen out on your coverage, be it on the radio or the television, as Ray Warren calls off tube. You'll hear the administrations. Uh, is he the... going to do a tour around Ellie Beach as well? That's right. The musical felicitations of Stephen Ferris, which is just so exciting. Oh, and let's see if, if Munster gets sent off again and if he dares to play these boots are made for walking. And look, I encourage everyone, if you haven't already, and at least there'll be two more games to go, and if you win two out of three, you win the series. Is that how it works? Yeah, to savour the call of Ray Warren, who will be calling off Tube. He'll be back here, not at Willoughby anymore. I think it's North Sydney is where they have the mm. facilities for nine. Because let's face it, by Ray's own... Admission. Um, admission. There, there aren't many to go. And he was asked about probably the hottest issue in the lead-up, the general person's agreement about players laying down. If you suspect, Ray, that a player is laying down and is feigning injury after the high contact, will you call it? And he says, no, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> wow. It's such tremendous insight. Well, look, I am, I am feeling a little more fired up after this, despite the uh, the COVID vax and the mind altering drugs in my head. And I must say though, with Stephen going to North Queensland, I think that they've missed a trick because I played a lot in Townsville in my covers band back in the early '90s, and the DJs that they had there, 
they were playing pretty much exactly the same playlist as a DJ. Steve will play now. They were right on top of it because they say in when you go to Queensland in summer, you put your clock back an hour, you put your calendar back about 20 years. <laughs> and 1991, they were right in the midst of a 70s rock revival. And I suspect that they'll be back there when Stephen Ferris starts hitting was, the tunes. Was Willie um, Nelson, was the Willie Nelson fever taking over for his, uh, because of his tour? For with his Gus, May tour. The, the Willie Nelson and Gus Gould 1991 yeah. tour of Queensland. To all the girls <laughs> I loved before. <laughs> to all the Gus have loved before. But that's it. We're fired up. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if, if you've enjoyed, please share it and subscribe. We need subscribers to keep us going on reviews the Reviews on iTunes, please. Reviews on iTunes. We're fired up. I'm Dennis Carnahan. Chris Gale. <laughs> and Redfern Pat celebrating having a bye this weekend. We're back next week and we'll see you then. Good luck in Origin. Bang. Now, yeah. you know, no, that's no just an old fact. It's not quite a stiffy. Bang.